0: Hey, thanks so much for joining us at our Red Rocks Church podcast. If you're new here, we're just a bunch of broken, messed up, imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. We hope that this message encourages your heart, builds your faith so that you can say yes to all of the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Enjoy this message. Sorry. What's up? We're starting on fire this week, aren't we? You happy to be in church today? And I wanna say hi to uh, all of our Denver-based locations, and I hope that you are surviving in the frozen tundra. And uh, I wanna say hi to Austin, Texas, Brussels, Belgium. We love you so much. All three of our God Behind Bars campuses, men and women. You are so much a part of this family. We love you. We're so glad you're with us today. And, and I know that there are literally thousands, thousands of campuses around the world right now in homes and offices and dorms and... Uh, Kitchens and living rooms, and some of you are on hikes and bikes and treadmills, and you're watching and you're listening, and and just be reminded that it's not the presence of this building that changes your life, it's the presence of our God that's going to change your life, it's going to change your marriage, it's going to change your singleness, it's going to change your present and your future. And He's with you right now, wherever you're at. So, welcome to Red Rocks Church. If you are joining us for the first time, I want you to know that, because if if you keep coming back, you're going to figure this out anyways. We're just a bunch of messed up, imperfect, screwed up, broken people, but we love to get together and pursue a perfect God. And that's what we're doing today. And, And so listen, I don't know what your church history looks like. Maybe you have no church history. Welcome. Maybe you have a whole bunch of dysfunctional church history. Welcome. Maybe you have great church history. Welcome, whatever the case. Listen, no matter what you've been through, no matter how close you feel to God right now, no matter how far away you might feel from God, whether you think me and God are really close or whether you don't even know if you believe in a God, I want you to know it does not matter what has happened. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you've been through, how long it's been, what anyone's ever said about you. It doesn't matter. In this place, you're going to be loved and welcomed and valued and accepted. And we're so glad you're here. You've already been prayed for. So welcome to Red Rocks Church. We're in a teaching series called Let's Talk Relationships. I hope you've liked it. Has this series been good for you guys so far? You guys didn't know my wife was a preacher, did you? She went off last week. And I'm not supposed to tell you this, but right before we did that, we got in a little fight. And it was her fault. She repented. And no, uh, today we're talking about conflict resolution, and I was right down front and I go, Hey, Jill, what's the last time we got in a fight? I should tell him about that. And she kind of looks at me like, Really? Like, sometimes I overshare. And she goes, well, you could tell him this week when you got real mad at me and you were being real stubborn. Harv, we've got things to talk about today. <laughs> Guys, I have the privilege of inviting a friend up here. As you can tell, we're about to have a dialogue. Um, a couple summers ago, when I was going through anxiety and depression stuff so bad, I've told you, church, I, I didn't even know if I was gonna be able to come back to work. God put this man in my life, through some relationships and I have been so grateful for him not only do I talk to him once a week whether I need to or not he gives me permission to call him I've called him literally sitting in a parking lot in my car crying before just been like Harv I just need to talk He has meant so much to me and I'm so honored that he would come hang out with us today. And I get to talk to him all the time. And and so you're gonna get to lean in and sit through um, a a counseling session on conflict resolution with anyone in your life really, but especially for your husband, your wife, your future husband or your future wife. Red Rocks Church, will you make some serious noise for my friend, the one and only Dr. Harp Powers.
1: Love you. Love
0: you too. Can you believe what Jill says to me sometimes?
1: I can't, man. You sound like the innocent party in that one, huh? Yeah,
0: for sure, for sure, Harv. <laughs> I was just thinking, I actually was just talking to the staff right before we started service, and I was like, man, this is kind of weird for me because me and Harv don't have a script. In fact, I don't even have my iPad. Could somebody who loves Jesus go to Conrad's office and grab my iPad? Um, technical details. Um, but, but we don't have a script, and we may not use the iPad, but, you know, I, I, I worry about you hard. And But no, what I thought is, we don't have a script, and he knows my deepest, darkest secrets, and we're about to just let it rip. So that makes me a little nervous. You know, that, that's what makes me want to have my iPad, to be honest, so Harv, I was telling Harv about something that me and Jill were dealing with, and believe it or not, we were in a, a bit of a of a of a tiff. Just a little one. A little one. They're always fairly little with her because she's so nice, man. It's so annoying when you want to get like mad and fight, and she's just so calm and steady. It's like, what am I? What I don't, I don't even know what to do with that.
1: You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. So that's rough, but. Um, There's Harv, something about pouring burning coals on someone's head. By oh, the night—that's what she does. Them.
0: So she's. Oh. Thank you so. Tyler Roberts, folks. Yeah. Hey, um, Harv, is it normal to
1: fight, or are me and Jill just like hopeless? You know, you know, Sean. Uh, having done what I do for over forty years, couples come in all the time, and they think they're the only ones. And you know how it is when we're isolated and we don't normally start a friendship by, hey, what's the fight you've had with your spouse or a significant other? You know, so we keep it under wraps because we're a little embarrassed about it, it's vulnerable. But everyone fights. And we'll talk about it a little bit more. I think that's creative design, actually. Hmm. That God designed marriage to have a tension at its core. And a lot of times we have this belief if we have a good relationship or a healthy marriage, we won't fight. But I actually think God intends for there to be attention at the core.
0: Now, why do you think that is? Because I've never heard anyone say that before. I love that.
1: Well, if you think way back in Genesis 2 where you know uh, God says it's not good for a man to be alone, I will make a helper suitable for him. Uh, that word there, helper, in the Hebrew is a compound. It means together, the first part of it, which is kind of the image of two people standing with their arms around each other, protecting each other from the world, or in our vernacular, it would be having each other's back. But the other part of the compound is against. It's like two people with their hands against each other's chest, pushing away. Hmm. And I think that dynamic is, when marriage, you're married to someone who's not you. Have you discovered that in a relationship? (laughs) I mean, in big, small, in-between ways, And uh, I always like to ask people uh, for a moment to think about what would it be like to be married to someone who is exactly like you? You know, I had a person one time say to me, well, if I was married to myself, we would both watch football and eat pizza and drink beer until we exploded. (laughs) So God intends marriage to have a counterbalance in it because you're not the same. And usually it's those different points of view are the very thing that create friction.
0: You just told me that about two weeks ago, we were talking about something, and, and uh, he looked at me so serious, and he's like, what would it be like if Jill was exactly like you?
1: And I was like, man, that would be crazy bad. Crazy bad, right? Yeah. We would both go off in these extreme ways. Yeah. So actually, God intends for marriage to have tension at the core, and it brings us face to face with how do we love someone who's not us? Which is the true nature of love, isn't it?
0: So, okay. So, here's what I want to get into a little bit is if you've ever dated, you know that you're going to have fights. But everyone married would go, "Yep, had them. It's part of it." Sometimes I feel like, well, sometimes for me, for me and Jill, I know it's almost like this invisible wall goes up between us, right? And like I can't, I can't get out what I really want to say, and the things that I do say are pretty stupid, and then she's not picking up on what I'm trying to, and we're like what, what are the things that, that gets us stuck when it comes to trying to fight fair or have a healthy argument or, or how would you refer to it?
1: Yeah, I, I think stuck is a great word, Sean. Uh, and you know, the definition of stuck is when what you're doing isn't working And of course, all of us with a learning disability then do it more, right? (laughs) So if raising your voice isn't working, heck, raise it more. Or if blaming the other person isn't working, blame them more. Or my favorite is you give them the survey approach. Well, all of my friends, so it just just doesn't work, right? So uh, that stuckness is a good term. And what I would say is one of the things about learning about healthy uh, conflict resolution is learning when you're stuck, Now, your question was, what are the kinds of things that get us stuck? Well, one of the big ones, and think about it in your own life, when have you ever had someone formally teach you the skills of conflict resolution? And that's usually like zero. So we we don't really have knowledge. And so how do we learn how to do conflict resolution? Usually it's by the homes we grew up in and what was modeled for
0: us. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. I guess you watch your parents or their friends and... Totally. If that's
1: how you fight, then that's how you fight. And, and you learn how to do it. And sometimes it can be that, you know, you learn to do it exactly the way your family of origin did it. Or like in my home, I grew up with an alcoholic dad who had a big temper, and everybody kind of hid from him. So nobody got angry but dad. So when I went into my marriage, I kind of swung the other way. I said, we're not going to sweep anything under the rug. Right. So we're not going to, you know, fester on things. We're going to deal with it right now. So either one way or the other, that shaped me. And so one of the things I'm excited about this talk, is it's a way to learn and get some tools and a different way of thinking about conflict. So lack of knowledge, first of all. Uh, Another thing that always is the case with conflict when we get stuck is sometimes whatever the thing is on the surface, that we get triggered with, you know, whatever the topic is, money, where to go to dinner, how to leave for the airport, all of those things, how to load the dishwasher, Uh, that those things on the surface trigger something (laughs) at a deeper level. Nobody knows what you're
0: talking about, Harv. We've never experienced any of those.
1: I know. I'm scratching an itch here, aren't I?
0: Whoo. I literally, you just said late to the airport, and then my blood started to boil. I know. Me and Jill just went out to dinner with a, with a couple here at the church. They just celebrated 10 years, and we're out to dinner with them, and they go, they go, hey, do you remember our first time we ever went out as a couple 10 years ago? And I was like, no. And they're like, you guys were like 30 minutes late, and you walked in, and you're like, we almost didn't come
1: in to dinner. We've been fighting out in the parking the, lot the, the whole time. The, yeah, totally and the right. whole fight was over being late to dinner. Totally. Yeah, if you ever want to do a party, one of those party games in relationships, Give everybody a sheet of paper and say your plane leaves at 9 a.m., put on there when you have to leave for the airport, and you don't talk to your spouse about it, and you'll hold it up, and for Bev and I, it's always like two hours difference, (laughs) you know, so it's because we're not the same, so when we... But it's probably really, really sinful to not get ready on time. Is it? You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) We'll take a vote on that, Okay. So Back to the
0: stuff no one knows about, go ahead.
1: So a lot of times, the thing on the surface triggers something underneath. So as an example, whatever's on the surface, like the airport, sometimes it really is triggering, do you respect me? Will you listen to me? Are you just blowing me off? Does it always have to be about you? So those are the deeper things, but a lot of times we spin up and keep talking about the airport rather than getting at the deeper thing.
0: So, so let's use that one for a second because you said running late and it felt like every married person in here went. <laughs> so you're so, 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 because we've had these, this is, this is a thing for us um, because 99.9% of the time, we are eight minutes late to wherever we're headed as a couple. And I do get irritated at that, and she kind of looks at me like, "Grow up. Who cares?" And right, am I like, I'm, am I saying something wrong? Do you want to come up here and defend yourself, real quick, babe? <laughs> I'm not getting a fight up here, and she's not even up here. Hand that woman a mic, right? Yeah. <laughs> she, no, no, but like, it's a point of tension for us. It is. And she's at total peace, and I'm all wound up, and that's sort of our personalities, anyways. Yeah. And we're. Silently driving, eight minutes late to wherever we're headed. Like what? It what? What? It, what it, so it's not really
1: about being eight minutes late. It
0: is to, to some place I probably don't even want to go.
1: No, it's not about, about time. I know for Bev and I, I tend to be one of those people that are always planning ahead. So about everything. So when I think of going to the airport, I'm thinking, okay. We need so much time, and then there could be an accident, so we'll add some on. And, you know, we might have a flat tire, so I'm going to add a little bit more on for that. Wow. And there could be a terrorist attack. I don't know. <laughs> and so uh, my perfect world is getting there early enough that my pulse is about 40, and I'm reading a magazine before I get on the plane. Mm-hmm. Bev, my wife, is just a massive multiprocessor, and she sees that as a waste of time. There's 15 things I could have gotten done rather than sitting tapping my foot at the airport, and we just see it differently. That's that together against thing.
0: Jill, 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 you, Jill does this thing. I'm in so much trouble. She, she does. She wants to get a whole bunch of things. You done. You have my number, right? Yeah, yeah. we'll call okay. you. And like, so you know, she'll be like telling the babysitter, like, here's how to work the TV, and here's oh, how yeah. the stove turns on. And I'm like, if they don't know that, we got deeper problems. Like. But she's, she's doing so many things, and I'm doing nothing, and it's never really about being
1: eight minutes late. No. But there are times when we go, yes. we don't see that the same. And, and, you know, that counterbalance, when does Bev need to kind of follow my preference versus when do I need to yield to her? And that's an art form of lear- learning about that in marriage. But one of the things about this, uh, Sean, that gets us stuck, and this, I'll say this gently, and I'm saying it to myself right now, Uh, What gets us stuck is our own narcissism. What do I mean? Well, I see the world through whose eyes? My eyes. And aren't the rest of you just highly paid extras in my own personal drama, right? (laughs) So we sometimes approach the world through our own eyes, which is no bad on that, but we kind of get this myopic, narcissistic view. Isn't everybody that way or the world would be better if everyone was like me and left for the yeah, airport three yeah. hours early, which is really a narcissistic kind of ego uh, thing. And marriage, one of the things it does is it chips away at our narcissism. We have to learn to see through someone else's eyes. I think, I think
0: most of us, if we're honest, would go, okay, I suffer from that a little bit. How do I stop or, or get better at that narcissistic view of like, why wouldn't you see it the way I see it? It's obviously right. Right. Absolutely. How do I get past that?
1: Well, a couple of things. Those are things that get us stuck. And if we think about, okay, how do we change or how do we grow? Boy, over a lot of years, you know, uh, we think sometimes uh, communication techniques will help, you know, use uh, I messages versus you messages, all that stuff that we learn about. But I have found the highest leverage thing in shifting is changing our heart attitude. So, you know what your heart attitude is like, right? Like we were just singing a song about yielding to God, softening to God, uh, not being defensive, breaking down our defense mechanisms. And I find when my heart softens, my eyes start working. And man, you know what it's like to be triggered and defensive? That's good. You know, when we're defensive, we, we become myopic and, and we start to be blind. And when we're defensive, frankly, I, I get a learning disability. Hmm. So, everything I know, my IQ drops to single digits about relationships. And so, I, I do all kinds of goofball things then that actually make it worse. So, start by softening, examining and softening your heart. Now, how do I? Okay,
0: so, so it sound, that sounds awesome. Uh, you got to talk to me like I'm a third grader. As you know, we've had many of these. How do I soften my heart? Because you know, here, yeah, here's what it's I a feel. Great. We'll get into an argument, and she's so level-headed and so calm and so peaceful, and inside, I'm like this raging, and I don't want to say anything, because I know I'm just going to have to apologize for more here in a few minutes, but I do have that, like, that wall goes up, and, and I'm, like, hugging a porcupine, and, like, how do I soften,
1: Harv? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go really, really tactical on this one really specific, sometimes we think, okay, the way I soften is I I get in my head and give myself a good talking to and so on. And while there's some merit in that, what I found is actually if you step away and regulate physically. When we get hardened up, we've got adrenaline pumping through our system. And you know, our heart rate's going faster and your body temperature increases. So a lot of times if I can take a break and do some deep breathing, kind of diaphragmatic breathing, or if you have a practice of meditation, kind of stepping back, getting centered on God, beginning to calm inside, and what will happen, we can actually measure this now, if we hook you up to biologic measurements and and scopes, we can see your heart rate drop, your blood pressure dropping, your adrenal levels dropping, your cortisol levels dropping, and that begins to kind of ground us and center us inside. There's this guy out of Washington, John Gottman, who's a well-known researcher, when he intervenes with couples that are really stuck, one of the tools he uses is a heart rate monitor. He hmm. teaches them no communication skills. He puts a runner's meter on their fingertips and sets it at 95 beats. Now think how low that is. And as soon as that thing goes off, they have to stop talking, bring it under 95 beats a minute. And what happens is as people That would regulate, save so
0: many holes in walls.
1: It would, and other things. Yeah. right. So yeah, calm down physically, get centered physically, and that will soften your heart. The other thing that I recommend, and boy, this is a big order, is before you have laser-like insight into what's wrong with your spouse or your partner, start by looking in the mirror. You know, it's that scripture, mm-hmm. hey, take the log out of your own eye. Yeah. So I have to do my own inventory before I start doing someone else's inventory. Yeah. And man, I tell you, that's always sobering, right, to do that.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, even just hearing you say it, I'm just like, okay, I'm thinking about some things that we've disagreed on. If I sit, or if I sit there for a second and go, all right, let's talk about how jacked up you are for a second, and then we'll go talk to Jill. I don't have much left to say.
1: I know. Right? Right. <laughs> I, you don't have to say it so matter-of-factly, Carve. <laughs> Bummer, huh? <laughs> Sorry to agree with you. (laughs) Something came up
0: recently, and I said, he said, what's going on? I said, man, I have just learned this week that I have a real problem when I'm not in control. He goes, no, really.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So uh, the first thing, soften your heart. Yeah. The next big skill, I think, and you would think we would all be better at this, is being able to be quick to listen. Uh, In uh, James 1, there's this uh, statement about be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So remember, listening is more than having sound waves strike your eardrum while you're preparing your response in your head. So listening means taking my point of view and pausing it to really tune in to what you're saying. But the second piece of that quick to listen is learning to hear your heart. So you may be talking about the airport and how it's a waste of time to get there early and so on. I need to be able to hear, oh, you need me to respect you and validate you. Now, you may not be saying that, but given who you are, I'm gonna try to listen to your heart. And that's an art form. and takes the lifespan of marriage to.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say, how do you, is, there, is there something I can do practically? Because the temptation, I think we all know it, especially in heated moments is, I'm letting you talk, but I'm waiting for the first time you need to breathe because I've already got what I'm about to say back. Right. Like, I, it's hard to, how we do all you sit do there that. and go, okay, we all let do me that.
1: We all think do that. about
0: what's really going on.
1: You know, there, there's, some, there's some tools that can help with that. One of them that's kind of interesting is a concrete tool, and I know it sounds kind of like programmed, but take out a, take out a clipboard with a sheet of paper on it and begin to write down what your partner is saying. I hate the airport and getting there early. And then on the clipboard say, huh, what's the deeper thing behind this? And asking the question will often cause us to think about that and then begin to ask questions about the Mm -hmm. deeper thing. So in most conflicts, there's this idea, and we have a slide on this. We wind up talking about the thing. That's the thing that we spend so much time talking about instead of getting at the thing under the thing. Hmm. It's the heart issue that our partner is trying to put on the table. And those are the ones that we all deeply need to be heard in. You know, please value me. Please respect me. Please reassure me. Please tell me that you can hear my heart. And whenever we feel that, think about when your partner does that, Man, it has a powerful effect. It calms us. It actually draws us to the other person. And it's kind of like a superpower if you can hear the thing under the thing. Hmm. That's brilliant.
0: That's really good. Um, I'm trying to see, did we, did we hit everything that we talked about hitting hard? Well,
1: we talked about listening. I wanna talk about being a speaker for oh, a yeah, minute. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, one of the things that helps uh, as a speaker is sometimes doing what's called a soft, start. Now, soft starts have to come from a soft heart, right? So you have to get grounded first. But a soft start is, is saying something that makes it inviting for you to hear me. So if I start by saying, you know, Sean, you know, you haven't been that much of a jerk this week, but I want to talk about Tuesday whenever you hit, hurt me. Mm-hmm. I'm you know, mad
0: already now. Yeah,
1: oh, yeah. <clears> it's <throat> like poking you in the eye while I say, please understand me. So a great soft start Is this one. I know you didn't intend to, but it impacted me this way. Anytime someone Mm. speaks to our intentions or tries to tell us what we're thinking, boom. Immediately we go on the defensive. But saying, I know you didn't intend to, but it impacted me this way. So
0: starting with, I told you three times we needed to leave at eight, isn't a good soft
1: start. Mm. No, I wouldn't say that's a soft start. And by the way, your spouse or your partner will tell you whether it's a soft start or not. You know how they will do that? Because they will light up and get defensive. And you go, ding, 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 ding. I don't think that was a soft start. Now, a tool, actually, if you guys can have this language, is to say, ooh, can I, can I do a take two on that one? And, and instead of arguing about what you said and where your commas were in the sentence of just saying, eh, my bad, that wasn't a soft Can I do a take two? Let me try that one again. Now, sometimes, as a partner, you can also say that to the person talking. Hey, that landed on me in a way I don't think you intended. Can you do a take two on that one? That's the way we can kind of partner for getting at the thing under the thing. Okay. That's good. Yeah. So
0: soft, soft heart, start soft, listen.
1: Yeah. And the last thing I would say, and this is a big, big deal, is I like to frame it as keeping your eye on the ball. Meaning by that, what is the goal? In a relationship, is it to be close and connected, or is it to be right? Hmm. And a lot of times we drift toward the latter. Yeah. You know, we get in this conversation about who's right, and that never, ever, ever connects us. It actually starts to disconnect us at a heart level. So I have to think about what's the most important thing here, and it's to be in relationship with you, to be connected to you, yeah. to be safe and supportive to you. And when that happens, you know what that's like, right? To be actually heart connected to your partner. It makes life kind of seem enjoyable. It reorients us. And you also know what it's like to be disconnected, right? It affects everything else that you do. It's constantly on your mind. So keep your eye on the ball. The goal is to be in relationship and connected, not to be right. That's good, that's good, Harv.
0: I know that <clears throat> the unfortunate truth is there are many couples and families watching this, listening to this, and, and they're struggling. Yes. Um, maybe they're struggling, and so, you know how sometimes you, get, you struggle and you have that feeling of like, yeah, we're struggling, but we've been here before. We got this. I'm just gonna be mad for a night or something. But then there's those struggles where it's like, This is a new level of struggle, and put me on a polygraph test right now, I don't know that we make it through this. Yes. What do you say to somebody in that, um, where the struggle's so real, that they're trying to hold on for dear life, but the truth
1: is, they don't believe it's gonna work? You know, uh, Sean, that's a very awful place to be. You know, it's discouraging, and people's dreams are being confronted, and they're usually in some form of grief, of thinking, Oh my gosh! Looking over the chasm, you know, into the darkness, saying this might not last. And so, uh, a couple things I would say to a couple at that point is: number one, we can begin to reframe that a little bit. You know, we know that when we come to the end of ourselves, that's the place that God starts working. Yeah. You know, when I think I have my act together and I've got it wired, I, I a lot of times don't need God, right? but man, when I'm desperate and I can't do it myself, it starts to break down my walls inside and so on. So when couples come in to see me at that place, I feel compassion for them, but inside me, I'm saying, ah, finally, we're getting to a place where people are getting ready to make a change. So you're saying that, that I'm desperate and don't know if this is ever gonna happen, It can be the beginning. Yeah, if we can reframe it, it actually opens a portal where we're open to learn something different. Second thing I would say is you're not alone. You know, when we get to those desperate places, everyone does in a relationship at some point, but we usually don't talk about it. So if we could break the sound barrier and let each other know, no, there's some normalcy to that. Now it's serious, we have to pay attention. And uh, the next thing I would say is seek coaching. Yeah. So a lot of times, if what we're doing isn't working, it's because we've reached in our tool bag, used all the tools we have. I got nothing else. So we usually need a different perspective and a different set of tools. So who are the coaches? They can be someone you know that's a little down the road and has learned a few things and you look up to, uh, take the risk to break the sound barrier and be yeah. vulnerable and say, hey, we need some coaching. Can you support hey, Can I
0: say something?
1: Yeah. Don't lose your yeah. train of thought. If this
0: is your church family, please get in a small group. Yeah, man. Get in a small group and and start to be real with each other. There's so much healing that takes place when when me and my wife can sit with a couple other couples and go... I just got to be honest, we're really struggling and they can start to pray with you and they can start to pray for you. They can start to encourage you. I guarantee you, you do that. You're going to hear a me too story of we were at a point and 100%. we didn't think we were going to make it and God did some stuff and it's going to increase your faith. Get into a small group, hit the website, hit the app. We'll teach you how to uh, lead a group if you want or just hop in one. But, and if you're in one, Stop going to small group and, and just keeping it surface. I mean, get to small group and be brave. Be the first couple in the group that goes, let's go down, let's go deep, let's get real because your, your marriage is worth it. Get in the group and, and, and get real with the people in your group. I, I love you guys. Just side note.
1: Man, I, I can't agree with you more in that. Remember that passage out of Genesis 2, it's not good for a human being to be alone. Yeah. And that's individually, but as a couple, it's not good to be alone, right? So we got to make contact like that. And so sometimes we coach each other through our stories. So look for someone a little bit more down the road than you. Uh, A second thing in terms of getting coaching, one of the great things about Red Rocks and the website is you have a whole list of resources there from groups to informational things to counselors, And that's what I would say is sometimes you need a professional coach, someone that's trained to actually coach people. And try not to see it as, oh, gosh, we're a failure, or there must be something terribly wrong with me. See it as a window of readiness, and now it's time to grow. And that that can be really helpful to people. Yeah,
0: and I'll just say this. I, I haven't talked about this for a long time, and so many of you are in the church, and you wouldn't have even known this, but there was a time, when did we go see Gary for the first time? You got a mask on. I can't read your lips. Nine years. Nine years. Nine years ago, so the church was five or six years old, something like that. Six years old. I can't do math. Um, and it was just starting to like grow like crazy. And um, pastors all over the country were just starting to kind of peek in, and they're like, oh my gosh, you guys are killing it. What an amazing thing. And what I didn't have the courage to tell anyone was that I was dying on the inside. I was just starting to have panic attacks for the first time as as a Christian. Um, And my marriage was, like, I was so stupid, Harv. I literally, when we moved to Denver, like, I thought this was admirable. I remember telling my wife, babe, you're not going to see a ton of me for three years. Give me three years to get this church going. Right. Just let me go crazy for three years. And It was almost as if I went to my wife and went, hey, we're gonna have a real bad marriage for the next three years, but the church will be worth it. Like, and to me, that seemed admirable. I know. Well, that's how I approached it. And our marriage paid a price. And then the church started growing and everyone started patting us on the back. And the truth is, is we were like, we had become business partners.
1: You know, what, what makes marriage vital and alive is that heart connection. But that heart connection is not static. We get connected, we're good. Instead, it's dynamic, and what I like to say life, even good things like having God use you to plant a church or good things like having kids, that also is like centrifugal force. It begins to pull us apart, so we have to constantly reconnect. I I like to think about it like relational hydration. You know, you have to hydrate your heart connection on a regular basis. Now, by the way, our relationship with God works that way too, right? So we can be connected with God today. That does not mean we're going to be connected with him next week. We have to do the practices to stay connected, yeah. right?
0: Well, I, I know for us, we got to a point where for you to put us on a polygraph test, we would have said in an honest moment, I don't know, For I, I, don't, I would have said, I think you probably would have too, babe, we're not gonna make it. Yeah. And we went to counseling. Yeah, and readiness opens the window, the right? Game, and I was so I was humiliated to go. I was embarrassed to tell my friends I was going, and it changed the game. And and it was like this magical thing that happened where we kind of remembered like why we loved each other and that we loved each other and that we're on the same team. And um, we've been through some tough times, but as a married couple, that was the toughest. And um, it was a it was counseling that helped us. I guess was my whole point. And well,
1: so, Sean, Sean, imagine this for a second. I'm a clinical psychologist, 40 years of experience. My wife is a master's level therapist with like 15 or 16 years of experience. We work with couples all the time. Can you imagine what it's like for us to fight and get stuck?
0: There's gotta be so many technical terms I've never even heard of being thrown at each other. That's a
1: defensive remark. No, that's reaction formation. So yeah, Everybody gets stuck. Oh my gosh, a hidden camera on your next fight would be priceless. Well, actually, you remember confronting the narcissism thing? Uh huh. One time I came up with this brilliant idea. I said, Bev, when we get stuck, I think you're the problem. So what I'm gonna do (laughs) is I'm gonna set up a video camera and record it. it." And I did it. Worst idea of my life. (laughs) That's amazing. When I watched that video, I was embarrassed to see what I looked like. It's the log in your own eye and having a mirror. I came across intense and accusatory and it's like, it was so convicting. So you probably have had that idea. I'm recommending against (laughs) it. So many of you have been thinking about doing that. (laughs) Harv, uh,
0: resources. I'm struggling, I wanna get married, I am married, it's a struggle. You got some good resources that you'd love that you could point us to? Yeah,
1: I'm gonna offer three, there's a bunch out there, but three that are good starting points. If you're intrigued about conflict and thinking, yeah, we need some more tools specifically, there's a book uh, entitled Fighting for Your Marriage. It's research-based. It's written by uh, actually a believer, uh, Scott Stanley. It's got a lot of good material, a lot of good things to talk about. Now, one caution when reading a book, do not put your partner's name by parts of the book. <laughs> you can only put your own name oh, by Oh, that's good it. right there. Yeah, just a small Hey, take tip. a
0: screenshot. If, you're, if you got it real quick, take a screenshot of those resources if you need them.
1: Uh, the next one is seven principles for making marriage work. That guy, John Gottman, wrote it, and it's research-based, and it's talking about core things that you need. For instance, one of the things in that that I love is you gotta start with a solid friendship. So how do you develop a friendship with your partner and cultivate it over time. And he gives you a bunch of other things. And the last one really focuses on the heart connection. That's that created for connection. It's all about how we get bonded, how we hydrate that bond and support that bond. And it is an excellent book. Harv, thank you so much. My privilege.
0: Guys, can you help me and thank Dr. Harv Powers? Thanks brother. Thanks for having me. me. Band, you can come on up. Um, would you guys put that slide up of, of a bunch of verses that I gave you? Would you take a, take a screenshot of this if you're in a building? Take a picture of it if you're on a screen. Take a screenshot. And for those of you listening, it's Matthew 19, 26, Luke 1, 37, Jeremiah 32, 17, Philippians 4:13, and Ephesians 3:20. Sometimes we need, we need some, we need some some weapons to take into our prayer closet. We need some weapons to begin doing battle for our relationships with. And and I know what it's like, you can take that down for just a second and then I'll have you put it back up. I know what it's like to be in a marriage that you you absolutely go, this is 100% a blessing from God. This is from God. This is how it's supposed to be. And also have things go so crazy wrong that you feel like there's absolutely no way we can go on. Like I was like I was talking about with Harv, Jill and I got to this place where it was it was it was, it was uh, we were business partners. And we we ran a church together, oddly enough. We ran finances together. We raised kids together. We did future investing together. We did real estate together. But somehow we weren't doing life together anymore. We were just doing deals. And, and, and I know what that feels like, and nothing crazy happened. Maybe you're in a relationship where you feel like things have drifted apart, and, and you, don't really, you can't really put your, your, your finger on it, but you know you've become business partners. Maybe something crazy has happened. Maybe something unexpected has happened, and one or both of you are thinking there's no way we can get past this, Maybe there's, there's, there's a point of contention, and it's like this invisible wall between you, and you just can't. If there's just no way of, you don't hear me, and I don't hear you, and you don't see my thing, and I don't see yours. and Can you put those verses back up? This is Jesus talking. With man, yeah, this one's impossible. But with God, all things are impossible. It is possible for you to find the right spouse. It is possible for you to get married. It is possible for you to stay married. It is possible for you to get through this heartache. It is possible for you to get through this offense. It is possible for you to forgive. For for nothing will be impossible with God. God, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power, by your outstretched arm. Nothing's too hard for you, including my singleness, including my marriage problems. God says, I can do all things. Through him who strengthens me paul says when god gets involved in my life there's nothing i can't get through including relational issues now to him who is able this is the one i want you to really focus on this week because some of you you can't fathom this working out right you can't fathom actually meeting the right person because it's been so long and it just hasn't happened or maybe you have the call on your life that god actually has given you the gift of singleness and you're going that is your call You're not headed towards marriage and you're wondering, you're thinking, I don't know if I can live this way. Or you're in a marriage and you're going, I don't think it's actually gonna work out. You can't even fathom it working out. Now to him who is able to do far more than I can fathom. Now to him who is able to do more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to his power that is with that work within us. That's the God we serve, Red Rocks Church. If you're with your spouse right now, would you grab their hand? If you're with your fiance, boyfriend, girlfriend, if you're with your family members, brothers, sisters, parents, would you grab hands? We're gonna worship to a song that was introduced, uh, I don't think it was the first time we've sang it, but we sang it last week. Jerrica wrote this song in the middle of some real heartache in life and relationally. And it's this amazing reminder. And on my, on my good days and my bad days, he's never going to leave. He's never going to leave me. And he sees me. He sees the struggle. He sees the relational issues. He sees what to me feels impossible. And he says, it's not impossible because with me, nothing is impossible. And I'm right here in the middle of it. And I'm not going anywhere. You couldn't get rid of me on your worst day. I'll never leave you. Would you stand up at all locations? God, we need to feel your presence in this moment. Would you just, I pray, God, that you would take some weights off of some shoulders as we just sing this song and become more and more aware that your presence is with us, that your presence is with us in our singleness, your presence is with us in our dating, your presence is with us in our marriage, and greater is he who is within us than he that is in the world. No weapon formed against me or my marriage will prosper. And I am more than a conqueror because you promised me you'll never leave, you'll never forsake, you'll never give up. And because you're right here with me, yes, we can in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.